0: Uh, read the first two verses. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the
1: deep. Okay, I want you to notice a few things about this very beginning. First of all, we start with God, I think we mentioned that last time, that, you know, we just began immediately focusing on God, and what did God do? Now that is a verb used only of God in the Old Testament. It's used very sparingly even in this first chapter. You might look for the use of that word. You won't find it often, but you find it here in the very beginning. He created the heavens and the earth. But what was the state of uh, the the, uh, creation when God first made it? Dark, empty. All right. Dark, empty, and? Formless. Formless. Now, I want you to pick up on those first two terms. (laughs) It was formless and void. To be formless meant it didn't really have shape. It didn't really have definition. And to be uh, void means it was empty. It means it didn't have anything in it. So it was unformed and unfilled. That's the way it was. At the beginning, it was dark. And then the Spirit of God began to move, and we'll see what happens with it. It's helpful if you can kind of get a feeling for what happened, you know, what it was like at the very beginning. Comments and questions on those two verses? It
2: says he moved over the surface of the waters.
1: Yes, because the whole earth was covered by water. But so it was formless. It was formless. It was probably not only water on the on the earth, but just kind of an ambiguous uh, water all over. Just Now, how that was, I don't really know. But God will, in the uh, second day, separate the waters above from the waters below, which seems to mean he made the air, the atmosphere. So I'm gathering that not only was there water on the earth, but there was some sort of undefined mass of water... Above the earth as well. Okay, look at look at the first day of creation. Let's see what God does. Uh, three to five. Then God said, "Let there be light," and there was light.
2: And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. <clears throat> there was evening, and there was morning. One day.
1: Okay. <clears throat> what uh, what does God do here? he creates light what else does he do what's what's the key verb in this uh, account (laughs) said said it was one separated what does he separate which gives form before you didn't it was just undefined darkness now as he creates light by his word then he, he separates light from darkness. He gives order uh, here. And, and so it was unformed, just kind of undefined darkness. Now we've got form to the light and, and to the darkness. Um, there's a lot of things we're going to say when we complete this chapter, kind of summarizing and looking at patterns. But what do you want to say about just that day of creation to begin with?
2: May not it may again not be something that was able for us. We may not be able to understand what it was like before that. I think it's the same way with the formless joy It may have been some realm that we we want to put it in a box, and it wasn't a form. Because you'll hear arguments about well, you know, now we have night and day. So was it light on one half of the earth and the not, but I, and the other half not. But I get the impression he just he just set boundaries for light and darkness in the universe not necessarily
1: you know creating it like we see it now that's possible <laughs> certainly he didn't create the sun moon and stars on the first day so however this light and darkness was that's not what it came from you know so I, I don't know that we know exactly how it was but we know that the, the, the earth is taking shape you know, you've got form now to the light and the darkness. God is a God of order. And, and and when God begins to act, He organizes things. And He gives rules to things. And they follow, and they He they, they kind of gives boundaries. And that's certainly what He does even on the first day. You can also see, something we'll say maybe other times too, but, but it's, it's clear to see here, the power of His Word. You know... He speaks and it's done. Let there be light. There's light. Other thoughts about that first day?
3: We're
1: yeah. so limited by what we already know that we
2: can't even comprehend the earth before light
1: was created. We don't really have a way to. Right. You know, because we, we don't have an experience of anything like that. So, you know... It's a good thing God did these things, you know. Obviously, it wouldn't have been suitable for man without these, you know, things taking shape that the Lord made. But we don't have a way of understanding it exactly, right?
4: Um, well, I think I'm going to start bringing my New American Standard here too, just so I don't have to ask you questions. But uh, right. and the New American Standard does the does is night and day capitalize? No. Okay, I don't know why they chose to capitalize the New King James. But I think it's interesting that. Even new King James' night and days capitalized, but heaven and hell, they didn't capitalize. I don't know why, I just think things like that are interesting.
1: I'm not big on capitalization. Really, I, know. So I, I just look like at silly is. things all the time. I don't use it either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm kind of with capitalizations for the birds,
4: let's just go to the lower Because we capitalize like, Indianapolis, but, which is a place, but they don't want to capitalize. So That doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why they to write it that way, but...
5: I, I just think about weird things that don't ever matter. <laughs> <laughs> Stop <Sorry>. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I don't have a statement about that. I don't really understand why they capitalize things. I never That never made sense to me in school either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, six to eight.
4: I think I Cameron did it.
1: Um, oh, yeah, so in great, the, yeah.
5: verse 5 it says, And there was evening and there was morning one day. Is in the morning part of that
1: first day? Or yes. What? It appears that the day started in the evening, and then the morning was, the, or the daylight was the second half. That is how the Jews counted time. They started the day at sundown. You know, we start the day at sun up. So they looked at it differently than we do. Really, technically, we sort of do from midnight to midnight, you know, but they did from sundown to sundown. So it was evening and morning, or evening and day.
4: Fight
1: okay. 16.
4: And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Now oh. the heaven's couple. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, go ahead.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, so what is God doing here? <coughs> More separation going on. <laughs> separation going on. Here not with light and dark, what's the separating involved here? water. The water. And, and what, is, what, is, what do we see after he separates? <laughs> Two
3: separate bodies of water and a sky in between. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's exactly right. There's the water on the earth's surface, and there's the water up above, which would be like in the clouds. And in between you've got the air, the atmosphere. So God takes the water and separates out the water above and the water on the earth. Somehow it wasn't separated before that. And uh, so God's giving more form to something that was formless. Comments and thoughts on that? He's kind of forming the sea and the sky just as he formed the light and darkness. Now, there's some differences on the third day. See if you can come up with... uh, One of the things that's different about the third day, you may not, that may not be too vague, but uh, 9 to 13.
5: Then God said, Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruits, trees, and the earth bearing fruit, after their kind, with seed in them. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, after their own kind, and trees bearing fruit, with seed in them, after their kind. And God told that it was all good. There was the evening, and there was morning, a third day. All
1: right. Now, what do you have happening on this third day of creation?
0: It's not separation,
1: it's gathered
5: together.
1: Yeah, it involves a separation when it's all said and done, because when he gathers the water, what, what shows up? The dry land. The dry land. So in a sense, it does involve a separation, certainly a forming. I assume that before that, all the earth was, was covered by water. But when he gathers the waters into one place, then dry land appears, and so he's, he's creating the earth with form. Some parts are dry land, some parts are, parts are ocean and seas. Um, what else is he doing on this third day? Vegetation? Yes. The, the dry land uh, is made uh, productive and fruitful and, and suitable for being filled with animals and man and things like that. Now, that leads me to one of the differences about this third day. How many acts of creation were there on the first day and on the second day? One each. But how many are on the third day? Two. Because you've got God said in verse 9 and then God said in verse 11. So on days 1 and 2 there's one act of creation. On day 3 there are two acts of creation. As God gives form to the dry land and the sea. Now, another point that I'll make at this point, we haven't mentioned it yet, but since we've got it twice here, what does God often do after he creates something? Praises it. Yes. Praise may not be quite the word. praises it. Appraises, yes. He appraises it. Exactly. He evaluates it. And what does he say about it? Or what does he know about it? It's
6: good.
1: It's good. God saw that it was good. Now, does it surprise you that what God made was good?
2: No.
1: You know, um, does it surprise you that God was able to see that it's good? There's a number of passages, like Genesis 16 13, where Hagar says, You are a God who sees. God's a God who sees what he makes, and he knows that it's good. Who else has the right to appraise and decide what's good? What? um, Was there anybody else in Genesis who tried to take that role upon themselves to see what's good? Eve. Eve, remember that in 3.6? When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. That's not human beings' role. It's not up to us to appraise and decide what's good and what's not. That's God's job. And when man gets into the business of seeing what's good, we mess up. So, uh, that, that's, that's cool that that is God's uh, unique role here. All right, comments and questions uh, through verse 13.
5: Um, it's surprising to see that in the first six days of creation, or whatever, um, we are the only ones that God ends up saying is not good. He ends up saying when, um, Noah. At uh, Noah's time, that he had wished he hadn't built us, or made us, or created us. But at this time, they were good. But later, we're not.
1: That's exactly right. God created everything good. It doesn't end up that way. Here's Nancy and uh, somebody. Oh, Sarah's there too. Huh? Thank
6: you.
1: So it's it's. Uh, You know, man corrupts himself and turns out not to be so good. Come on in. (laughs) Genesis chapter 1. All right, other comments and thoughts through verse 13 in this third day of creation?
3: I was also thinking, uh, sort of going back to the second day, about the waters being in the air. I guess I've kind of heard this that the, the waters and the air kind of formed a canopy over the earth, and that would have made the climate uh, very tropical and very pleasant to be in, which kind of makes sense with you know the Garden of Eden and all that. And here, you know, it's paradise. You know, it would have been it would have been the right temperature and all that. And uh, also, I think that would have been a way that God would have uh, used in flooding the earth because I think it says in chapter 8 somewhere that he, the fountains of the heavens were opened and you know, it's like the waters came down the waters came up and they just kind of engulfed the earth at the same time but anyway, just for what it's
1: worth <laughs> yeah I hear that that may be true I don't really know uh, I do know that it's interesting that while the waters here seem to be well behaved water is destructive sometimes and is a problem sometimes in the Bible You know, but here, God is in control, and he's organizing this, and the waters are going where they're supposed to. Uh, But God can use them in other ways if he wants to. When
5: God separated the water, or pulled the water into one spot, wouldn't it have been like a big mile, wouldn't the water be above the earth? Or did he like pull up the earth
1: too? I don't know, I've thought about that myself. Maybe he pulled up the earth too. Maybe he created gravity at that point. Maybe he did. Yeah. Not sure how that worked. Obviously, there's some details in this that we'd wonder about. God worked it out, but he doesn't give us the details. So,
2: yeah, It's interesting the way that is worded, that he separated them. Because, you know, if if the earth, if their dirt was already higher at one point, wouldn't they have already been separated? Right, exactly. But it doesn't give us an idea that he raised... The Earth and lowered other parts of the, but so maybe it was maybe it was water over the mountains and then created and pulled it all into the lower.
1: Maybe so, yeah. You can think of several ways we could imagine to do it. Maybe he did it one of those ways. Maybe he did it some way we've never even thought about. I don't know. Okay. Um, Anything else through thirteen? Okay. So, we have given form to the light and darkness. We've given form to the sea and the sky. We've given form to the dry land. Now, in days 4 through 6, we're going to take care of the other thing. We said that the earth was unformed and unfilled. Days 4 through 6 fill the realms that were formed in days 1 to 3. Look at it in 14 to 19.
3: And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, a greater light to rule the day and a lesser night to rule the night, or a lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and to move over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day.
1: Okay, so what's he making here?
7: Sun and moon and stars.
1: Yes. <laughs> now, what is that filling? The from the yeah, it's filling the light and darkness when it's all said and done uh, that God had created on the first day. Now, what are the purposes? Notice um, how he does this. Um, he, he says this over and over again what the purposes are. For example, what's the purpose of these lights in verse
7: 14? To
1: separate the day from the the night. What's the purpose in verse 15? To give light light on the earth. (coughs) What's the purpose in verse 16? To To govern the day, to govern the night. What's the purpose in verse 17? To give light on the earth. What's the purpose in verse 18? Separate. the light from the darkness. Now, there's maybe some other things you can say, but those form an ABCCBA. You know, separate to give light, to govern, to govern, to give light, to separate. Um, But that seems like overkill. That's a lot of telling us what the sun, moon, and stars were for, don't you think? I mean, he says everything he says at least twice. And he just keeps telling us that's what they're for. We kind of could figure out what they were for anyway a little bit, couldn't we? Why does he bother to go into all that much detail to define out the function of the sun, moon, and stars? It tells
7: you what they By telling you exactly what they are for, it excludes all other things that they could be used for.
1: for like, Why? oh, uh, well, I don't know. Worship. Yes. I think, to a great extent, this is... Showing us God created the heavenly bodies. They're not gods. And their purpose is carefully, you know, regulated by the Lord. They're not for worship. They've got special functions God gave them for. And even maybe the way he says something in verse 16. There maybe there's various things and it's just really funny. Did you notice how he says verse 16? If if we were to translate this (laughs) literally, perhaps, it would be something like God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, and the lesser light to govern the night, and the stars.
6: Mm.
1: Now, when he says, and the stars, uh, does that seem a little understated? (laughs) You ever thought about how many stars are out there? A few zillion, you know, whatever how many that is, it's probably not enough. You know, oh man, I mean, there are, oh wow, it's just incredible, the number of stars. And I mean, wow, I mean, we don't, if you're in Indianapolis, you don't see it, but if you ever gone to a really dark place, you look up on a on a clear night, and even what you can see, Star Wars, especially if you keep looking, Imagine what we're seeing with the naked eye. You ever look through the telescope? Whoa! Yeah, Kevin. And then some of
5: those stars are even bigger than
1: our greater light. Yeah, considerably bigger. Yeah. Huge. And we're talking about, these stars are, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of light years away from us, or maybe more than that. And they're way away, so they look small, but they're enormous. Now, what does that show you about God?
2: He doesn't make a big deal out of some things that we do.
1: What does that tell you about him then? Greater. Wow. If God, if for God, it's almost like an afterthought. I have the stars. Yeah, i put them up there too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's like, whoa. You know, I mean, we we couldn't. You know, all of the people on the planet could work a lifetime and we couldn't even figure out how to make a, you know, a tenth of one star. I mean, it's just like, whoa, God just does that and it's just like, kind of, end a star. But, but it really shows you that the stars shouldn't be worshipped. I mean, they're not anything, you know, they're not the governing bodies, you know, for us. don't Don't worry about your horoscope and, you know, all that kind of stuff. They're just—they're just kind of the afterthought of God's creation, right? I'm
4: trying to get a look at this. Did we maybe not look at that as much? I've never thought about that but in that much. Detail. Maybe because we have electricity nowadays, so we don't need the night sky as much as you know what I'm saying.
1: Like maybe they probably so. it back then. Probably yeah. so. We—we we, the stars aren't as key for us. Right. They did navigate by the stars. And having electric lights, we just don't see them as much. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of them up there.
4: It, it just it reminds me of places like, uh, like in Genesis nine when he talks about why well, they're going to establish the rainbow and the clouds so that you know you it, it, remember this covenant and stuff with it. And but he kind of repeats himself a lot from verses like eight to seventeen just throughout. You see him just rewording yes. the same thing, and I'm like, and, and I, does, we have passages like that where it seems like I'm like, okay, how many different ways can you say the same thing? You know
1: what I mean? So when God does that, what do you know?
4: he really wants us to understand it
1: absolutely he wants (laughs) to emphasize it you know God's not wasting words it's important and that's what leads me to think that in part God inspired Moses to write this this way to teach positively about the function of the heavenly bodies you know certainly there will be negative teachings about not worshipping them but it helps us if we have a really clear (laughs) definition of what God means.
5: In verse 17, it says that God placed in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. I mean, that's showing, to me, that God knows where he's put everything. He knows exactly where he put every star. And it's still nothing I, I'm going to put this here, this here, this here, this here. Oh, and I did that, too. I mean, that's so great and amazing. I mean, wow. Yeah.
1: You, one of the things that you constantly see in the Bible... Is not just that God does awesome things, but He does them so effortlessly. You know, you never see God break a sweat, no matter what He does. It's amazing. Cass, you had your hand up. Um, I don't
7: know. We just we see how, you know, we see things about how gigantic the universe is. I mean, I went to the Creation Museum with my family and. We watched something on how big the universe was, and it was just kind of talking about, you know, the stars and everything. And it zoomed out, and so many times, and, like, it showed, I mean, not even anywhere close to how big the Earth was, and you're still, like, wow. And to think that, you know, God made all that, and how big it is, we can't even fathom it, it's just really cool. God's amazing. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
1: wonder if they made all
7: Um, In verse 14, is there significance that these nights uh, let them be for signs as well as for seasons and days and years?
1: Maybe. I I mean, I suspect maybe we're dealing with not only chronological markers, maybe Ah. geographical markers as well. They are signs in terms of orienting you direction wise and things like that. Maybe there's something else in that. I, I was thinking
7: like, you know, the star that led the wise and kind
1: of... That seemed opposite. to be an exceptional situation, but yeah, certainly there was. Something else.
0: Yeah. was. Well, I was just going to comment on that. Well, I think that's that's right, Matthew 2. Um, apparently these magi, they're looking in Jerusalem, as Chris mentioned last night. Um, so perhaps they weren't even Jews, but they were able to see these signs God put in place. Mm-hmm. Which just goes, what you're saying, that was in place. It wasn't us figuring out what the gods were saying. Definitely.
2: And maybe when they fall from the sky later throughout the Bible, that
1: was a sign. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Definitely. Other thoughts?
7: So this isn't really a chance.
4: Well, it is. And I just <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, it's, uh... You had to skip a lot of things in order to
4: make it a chiasm. Does it separate?
1: There are six things that are a chiasm. Now, there are some other things he says along with it. But in 14, he separates the day and from the night. Uh-huh. And in 18, he separates the light from the darkness. Right. In 15, he gives light on the earth. In 17, he gives light on the earth. In 16, he governs the day and governs the night. Oh. So separate, give, govern, 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 govern give, verse Eighteen. See, so yeah, which makes it not a
7: kia. I just saw it the right. same right. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. There, there's more to it. So I don't know if we want to say it's a kia. I mean, you know, it's on how you're looking at it, but but those things at least form a a unit. You know, they're they're things that are mirrored. But he's got several other things to say as well about uh, the right? What's a kiaism? It's uh, <laughs> like an A, B, B, A, or A, B, C, C, B, A. It's that kind of an idea. It's a poetic device that you find sometimes. It's about a sheltered life.
6: <laughs> you haven't
1: been around me long enough. Correct. <laughs> I'm
4: sure he yeah, I'm sure he yeah. <laughs> <think> <laughs>
6: um, has.
4: Well, I have a bad memory. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll go with that one, too. That,
1: that, the key <laughs> is the Greek letter. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> the Greek letter key like that. It's like an X. So that links the A's and the B's. Uh, you got A B B A. Okay. So okay. it's a chiasm.
4: Well, I apologize if you
1: have taught me that before. Well, I, I don't. Care. It. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She's uh, been a walk since we've well, heard the, that quite well, well, a The truth you is, you're vindicating me. <laughs> you're vindicating me. <laughs> Debbie <laughs> says I talk about this all the time. <laughs> and as much as you've been here, I haven't even talked about it when you've you been have here.
3: You I, know. I, I
1: really don't talk That's about it very right much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I haven't heard of it. Either. Yeah. Ah. See? All right. I don't talk about it All that right. much. <laughs> <laughs> Emmy just remembers it often. Okay.
7: So oh. Okay. Well, I was going to say, then why does <laughs> Tasha always find the chiasmus and?
1: Well, she's just a very hey, bright girl.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Takes after her uncle, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, anything else to verse 19?
4: When a star falls, is there anything really falling? Uh, did somebody find find it somewhere?
1: Well, I, you know, you've got like... Meteor, Meteor- thing, meteorites, yeah. meteorites. Yeah. I don't understand much about astronomy, so uh, what is a meteorite
7: exactly? <laughs> it's not a star. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's actually a, a chunk of material, rock. rock, rock and ice, and whenever it hits the Earth's atmosphere, it heats up and begins to glow, and that's what makes it look like there's this streak of light, and most of them will end up completely disintegrating before they get... All the way through the atmosphere. <laughs> Occasionally they'll hit things and once they hit a person.
1: Wow. There's
7: there's one person who's like reported as having been
1: hit by I I don't, think, I don't so. think so. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound like a pleasant experience. <laughs>
7: so, so if you have a, a meteor shower like the Perseid meteor shower, you've got a a comet that's going through and it's got all this debris hanging out behind
3: it and all that hits the atmosphere. That's why you get all Thank you. There's different terms for the same object, depending on where it is. You know, it's an asteroid in space, it's a meteor once it enters the atmosphere, and it's a meteorite when it's really close and hits. Yeah. Okay,
0: <laughs> there's a falling star <laughs> in your backyard. In yeah. Yeah. And, and, and a Disney
7: movie, right. Yeah. And it's a rock whenever it's
1: actually... never knew I'd get such an education. This is one. This is great. Uh-huh. Alright, 20 to 23.
7: Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their time, and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth there was evening and
1: there was morning a fifth day. Alright, so what uh, what is he doing here? Yes. What's he filling? Sky and the sea? The realms that he formed on the second day he fills on the fifth day. And it's interesting, you know, verbs on the first three days were like separate. Well, verbs here are like team and multiply and be fruitful and fill. So these are verbs of filling, whereas the others were verbs of forming. Um, And so he fills the sea and the sky. Comments on that and questions? Right.
4: No. well, uh, I was going to ask about the evening and the morning thing, because I think you worded it differently than I've heard before, so I don't ask. Uh, okay. Okay, when do you think... D- I've been taught that, uh, you know, the, that their day would start at what we consider 6
6: o'clock.
4: hmm okay, In the evening. Okay, you agree with that? In morning? the evening. Uh-huh. Okay. I got confused. I don't know. I was thinking you were doing <coughs> it started at more like our 6 p.m.
1: That's what I mean. 6 yeah. p.m., 6 in the
4: evening. Wait, what did I say? <laughs> like 6... Wait, there it starts at hour 6 a.m. or 6 p.m.? 6 p.m. Okay, so when, so when we read, like, the ninth hour, it's really hour 3 a.m.
1: Why? Right, that's of the day. <laughs> so that's like, you know... See, they started with the night, and then they had the day. So you have the hours of the night and the hours of the day. So, like, the ninth hour is usually the ninth hour of the day, meaning, like, 3 p.m. Or the third watch of the night would be... Right, yeah, 12 yeah, to 3 it's a it's night yeah. of oh, oh, that day. And when you see yes. the ninth
0: hour, usually you're in the Roman oh. calendar so Hebrew. So here's Hebrew. Sometimes it's true too. Right, so when yeah. you're in the New Testament, you're looking at a totally different set of oh, really? Dates. Sometimes.
1: <laughs> Sometimes, yes. It oh. really gets complicated, wow. and there's some difference of opinion on some of the New Testament. But in the Old Testament... Their day did start in the, e- the night and day, okay. but if you got daytime times, then they're starting like at 6 a.m. So they weren't at 12
4: and 12, rather than we have 24.
1: yeah. yeah
4: six See, because you can say the ninth hour of the evening and
1: the ninth hour of the day. We do too. We 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. We kind of do it about the same way, I love that one. except we do. We, and start we add them together. We, we add them together to make a whole day. Exactly. But we add. From the daylight and, and then night We go from midnight to midnight, whereas they go from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. But we both okay. have a 12-hour sequence. Okay, okay, I see the yeah. role oh, that's oh. worth it. Notice you've gotten 21 the next time we have the verb create. Uh, we haven't had that until now. I'm just, I'm just pointing out that that is a, um, you know, carefully used term. He doesn't mention it every time. Alright, now look at the sixth day. And again, you'll notice several intriguing things about this day. So 24 to 31.
2: And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after their kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Yeah. And God created man in his own image, in the image of God, and he created man. male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, and it should be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth
1: day. Okay, so what does he make in 24 and 25? Animals and man. The animals. Um, what do what do the animals fill? The
3: dry land.
1: The dry land. The part formed on the third day. Um, what does he? What rule does he give? to The um, uh, procreation of animals
6: after
1: their kind. After their kind, What rule had he given for the uh, vegetation? After their kind. After their kind. There's specific limitations. God's colors don't run together. So, now, kind does not necessarily mean our species. In fact, scientists change from time to time about what they consider species even to be. Um, But, God God defines kind as he chooses. You know, so, in, in the divinely established kinds, the reproduction is to be after uh, their kind um, and then how many acts of creation are there on the fourth day the of the star. but but in one act in one God said 14 and how many acts of creation on the fifth day <coughs> One. How many acts of creation on the sixth day? Two. two. So you've got one, one, two, <laughs> one, one, two. On the third day, the final forming day, and on the sixth day, the final filling day, you have two acts of creation. On days one, two, four, and five, you have one act each. So the second act of creation is particularly important for us on the sixth day. In verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image. The first thing that jumps out at you when you read that is... Us. Who's us? Is God a plural? Yes. I think you're right. Um... He certainly didn't make us in the image of the angels, you know. So we couldn't say he was talking to the angels there. Let us make man in our image. Um, You've got that a few other times, like in Genesis three twenty-two. Then the Lord God said, "Behold, the man has become like one of us." The Lord God said. <laughs> Man's become like one of us, knowing good and evil. You've got it again in the Tower of Babel. In Genesis 11, 7, come let us go down, and they're confused their language. Uh, you've got it in Isaiah 6, God says, who will go for us? So I think we learn that God's a plurality, that there's more than one in the God ship. Um, but notice, we're created... Well, notice several things that show the importance of man. You know, before he had said, "Let there be," or "Let the earth bring forth," but now he says, "Let us make." It's a more personal thing, and we're made not—we're we're not. It doesn't say after their kind. He says, according to our likeness, we are the only beings in the universe made in the likeness of God. We're spirit beings like God is. And look at verse 27. What verb do you see repeated there? How many times? Three times. He's used it just in one, in 21, but now an explosion of the word create. Three times in verse 27. Uh, So I think that shows the specialness of that as well. Um, if we're created in God's image, we sure don't need to be making images for God. You know, we got it reversed when we do that. Um, and God created man how in verse 27? And how else? Male and female. female. Now, chapter 1's the overview. Chapter 2 will be the detailed accounting Of the creation of man. So, in in overview, he made male and female. Sex is a part of God's creation, it's a part of what God wants. Nothing's evil or sinful about men being sexual beings. Now, sometimes we use that in wrong ways that don't respect God's boundaries. Um, He gives man dominion over the earth. Uh, he gives. He's very generous. He gives man, you know, every plant yielding seed on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit, and so forth. So he's very generous in what what he provides for man. And when he gets done and he evaluates, what does he decide about all of this? It's
6: very good.
1: It's very good. So that's kind of the conclusion to those six days of creation.
5: Comments and questions
1: on that. Uh, right. Um, do you think uh,
5: in
4: 26 three says let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Do you think that fits in with uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that says um, knowing the God of peace himself sanctified completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think those three parts of us is
6: these, no. Okay. Okay.
5: Okay. I haven't noticed this part. It's not much about the Genesis part, but when you said about um about like, saying R and all you showing us passages, I saw Lord God. And doesn't Lord mean Master? So we should we be Master God? The Master of the God?
1: Good question. This is an interesting thing. Remember that Genesis is divided into these accounts or these books. So chapter 1-1 to 2-3 is kind of the preface. And then starting in 2-4 you have this is the account of the heavens and the earth. Now up till 2-3 you have just the word God. But starting in 2-4 you typically have Lord God. Now, do you see something interesting about that word, Lord? It's all caps. It's It's a different word than the word Lord that has capital L, small small o-r-d. The capital L, small o-r-d, means master or ruler. This Lord, in all caps, is a translation of the Tetragrammaton. The YHWH, which we would usually call Jehovah. So this is really like saying Jehovah God. Or some people prefer translating that Yahweh, Yahweh God. Whenever you see Lord in all caps or God in all caps in the New American Standard, that's the translator's way of saying it's really. Jehovah, or really Y-H-W-H in the original, so that they can distinguish between that word and the ordinary word for Lord that means Master or Ruler. Does that make sense?
3: Yes,
0: thank, thank you. Uh, question, I don't want to get too far off on it, but um, here in Genesis one twenty-seven, he says in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them, and then Paul makes a point in Genesis 11 uh, about uh, there in verse seven, man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. Is there a, a, a difference there in the image between man and woman, and the image of God?
1: I'm not sure that I know enough to answer that okay. question intelligently. So, I was going to tag on there that it seemed
3: to me from. From the way it was stated, that it's interesting both it the man and the woman to represent God's image, which I thought was pretty interesting. And you can see their different roles, and uh, I'll just stop there just for not to too <laughs>
1: Yeah. There might be some other considerations that would make it hard to see women not
6: being in
1: the image of God. Among other things, I'm thinking we are recreated in God's image when we're converted, which might be difficult if you were thinking of women not being in the image of God. Uh, so I'd be inclined to think women are created in the image of God, but I don't have a really good comment to make on how he states that in verse 27. Okay. Or even on 1 Corinthians 11. All right, let's complete the creation week. By reading 2 1 to 3 and then we will make some observations in more in a general sense so chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 Thus,
4: the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished and on the seventh
1: day god ended his
4: work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done then god blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because it, in it he rested from all his work which god had created and made
1: okay so what happens on the seventh day <laughs> God rests. He has completed his creation and he rests on the seventh day, which kind of forms a pattern that is continued in the law where God gave the seventh day to the Jews as the day of rest. And it goes back to this concept of God's rest on the seventh day of the creation week. I mean, he got it done before the week was over. <laughs> Pretty uh, amazing. Let me suggest a few things. Uh, about the creation a little bit more broadly. One thing is, I don't know if you know much about this or not, and I don't know a lot, but most cultures have creation stories. Now, sometimes people use that against the Bible. They'll say, well, the Bible's no different than any other ancient writing. They all have their creation stories, and the Bible probably borrowed that from the other cultures. (laughs) Well, if everything goes back to a creation of one couple, then in everyone's history, in whatever nationality, they go back to a creation that would probably have been transmitted orally, and they would have varying understandings of it because that does not continue pure. What you see in the other nations' creation stories a lot of times is really almost humorous. You know, certainly not anything becoming of God. Sometimes there are even battles between the gods and things like that that result in the creation. A bunch of stuff that's really unbecoming and kind of uh, fantasy. Really, sometimes reading what other cultures have written about creation, or say flood stories in other cultures? Or whatever, really makes you appreciate the Bible. You know, it's like if you hear they all got their creation story the Bible's just like the rest of them. That may sound disconcerting until you actually read what they've written, and then you realize how much superior God's account is. After all, he's writing the correct account of the creation. Um, I've got another point I'm going to make, but I'll pause there and let you ask questions, make comments if somebody has something similar yes Cass yes.
7: um, God doesn't need to rest it's not like God gets tired and God is exhausted and you know he just can't go on without rest so why exactly did he just to look at it and see if that it was good and just
1: you know I don't know if I have the ultimate answer on that um, maybe it's emphasizing the fact that he got the job done no, no more creation to do. Only well, took him six days, and uh, you know he's got a rest on the seventh. It's also giving a pattern to the Israelites what Sabbath? that for the Sabbath, where it was a rest day, kind of paralleling what God did in creation. Yeah, right.
4: well, I was thinking even before the seventh day, you because I think that's the way he did it too, to just for the life. But yeah. I would think he didn't even need the sixth day. I would assume he could have done it all and well, however fast he wanted to do. It, of but, course, but but, he, but I. I would assume he just did it the, those little six days to show that you know week and, you know and to and to rest on that Sabbath.
1: Sure, I would assume. Sure, and it's an organized accounting yeah. and so forth. He ceased from his labors. Yes. There's a sense in which God's Sabbath continues. You know, I mean, uh, he's still not creating. God's Sabbath doesn't mean inactivity. There's a lot of things God does, even though he's in his rest, like answering prayers and, you know, maintaining the universe. But God's creative acts were completed.
0: It's interesting about the week. uh, When you come to the month or to the day or to a year, they have some kind of um, setting in the cosmos. Our stars, our moon, the sun, how many trips it takes (coughs) us to go around. Uh, But with the week... The only thing that lines up to a week is the fact that God made the heavens and the earth in six days and
1: rested on the seventh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sets the pattern Uh, for us. (laughs) He sanctified the seventh day at
2: this point. Is there any other mention of it before the Levitical
1: of the Israelites? There is mention of it before the Ten Commandments, but not before the Exodus. We don't know that it was necessarily observed. I assume one. it was not.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go <laughs> Just uh, going back to when you were talking about um, various other creation stories and things like that, I actually remember in my senior English class we went through several of those things and I remember, I think it was an African creation story and it was entitled um, How the World Came from a Drop of Milk. Or something like that. <laughs> and you know, it's interesting, it's like, well, where'd the drop of milk come from? But you know, it was just there. And then uh, I think in Indian uh authoritative writing is the Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm. And that talks about like I think it was on a turtle's back or something like that. I may have used it.
7: Yeah, it's related to the that the earth is supported by uh, on the back of a turtle and yeah and I remember reading about it somewhere else and this woman was defending it. And, yeah, you know, don't try to fool me. It's turtles all the way down. Okay.
3: Well, we don't roll well, off there, just really so. interesting stuff. And, you know, I mm-hmm. I just become a Christian before my senior year in high school. And so I was really uh, interested in seeing the various accounts. And uh, most of their creation stories do mention the flood, which, you know, makes me think, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, the Bible mentions the flood. But, you know, all these other stories just happen to include one, too. And it seems to be a really catastrophic flood too and I was like wow that's interesting so
1: every everybody on the face of the planet goes back to Noah mm-hmm.
5: Cameron I've seen a few and they uh, of a few stories and all and they also have uh, age change before the flood they have like huge amount of ages and after it drops down really low it just keeps getting low
1: that is a fair observation yeah
5: save
7: so, it for uh, a class that Tasha was in, we went over a bunch of those creation myths. I'm thinking <coughs> and that, like, one of them, men were actually like the ants on the corpse of a god that one, of that another god had killed. Yeah, you know, men, and none, none, of them, none of them, none of the myths that we looked at gave much dignity to men. Right.
1: I, I mean, uh, you know. Yeah.
7: it's some one one God vomited us up or you know that type of thing. that's yeah, that's what the other cultures that's how they viewed themselves, I guess you could say. or there's a there's a coyote involved and <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: so. uh, yeah, clearly what man comes up with is a very yeah. corrupted version of the truth.
4: I really up from Dustin here. <laughs> um, do we do we have any idea? I don't know, I don't know much about history at all. Uh, I know somewhat of this history, but like, um, do we because our normal work week like I work at a factory and our normal work week is Monday through Friday, which is a lot of. Do, do we know why they how it came about that way or how long it's been like this that it wasn't like Sunday through Friday or Monday through Saturday? You know what I'm saying? Like, is there any reasons, came about. I don't know if through time, because
1: Christians, I guess, always have their Sundays. That probably has to do here with the Christians, you know, worshiping on Sunday. I would think that we have Sunday off, but I don't know beyond that. Okay. I, 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 history on that. I did some study on it um, I a few months
0: back, and as mm-hmm. far back as I can tell throughout history, a week has always been seven days. Yes. Um, and in fact, I think I think it was Germany back in the, the 70s tried to change it to eight days. Oh, really? it, it didn't take. <laughs> They're back on seven.
1: <laughs> 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 okay. uh-huh. Wouldn't mind that eight today, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not sure where they found it. Beatles song. <laughs> yes, that's true. Now, I want to show you something else that I think is interesting. Some of you will, and some of you won't. Um, not only do we have the seven days of creation. There's a lot of other sevens in this account, which I think are significant, particularly when we're going to see some other things later on in these first chapters in Genesis. Um, verse 1, in Hebrew, there are seven words. In verse 2, in Hebrew, there are 14 words. Now here's a couple you don't have to take my word for let's uh, come up with the verses where God evaluates and said that it was good what verses does he say it would see that it's good 4 4 12, twelve. before 12 Ten. 10 then 12 18 18, Eighteen. 21 25, 25 31 <laughs> seven times and on the seventh time he says that it is very good now this one we're gonna have to work for and you're gonna have to do this right because I'm not going to be checking up on you so you got to do this one right um, so check up on each other but I want to know the number of times God's name is used. So I'm going to just ask verse by verse through this creation account and tell me how many times in each verse it says God. Okay? Uh, verse one. 1. Once. Verse 2. One. Verse 3. One. Verse 4. Two. Verse 5. 1. 6. 1.
7: 7. 1. 8. One. 9. 1.
1: 10 Two. 11 One. 12 One. 13 0 14 1 15 0, zero and 15. you got to do this right or it won't come out. 0, right. zero and 15. 16 One. 17 One.
0: 18
1: One. 19 zero. 20 One.
6: 21
1: 2 Okay, 2, 22 One. 23 0 24 Nine. 25 2 Okay, 26 1 27 2 28 2 29 Nine. 30
6: Yeah.
1: 31 1, 2-1, one. 2-2, one. Zero. Zero. Two, two. and 2-3, two, two. Two. 35, <coughs> 5 times 7. Now that is not nearly as impressive as it will be in about three weeks.
6: <laughs>
1: oh, no. So, keep that in mind. But I think there is some point and purpose to this order and pattern. We know of seven being very much a number that God uses. It's almost his distinctive number. And if you think, I don't know if that's very significant yet, wait till we finish chapter 5. And by that time, if you don't think seven is a pretty key number for the Lord in the first few chapters of Genesis, well, then I can't convince you. But, but I think that it is, and that's somewhat impressive, and it's also somewhat groundwork. Uh, and, and I think once you see some of those things, it just shows you the pattern and organization and power of God in being able to do this. But... That's what I have to say about the creation week. Do you have other comments or questions about that? (laughs) Okay. What we typically have in Genesis is an overview and then zeroing in on the part that's relevant to continuing the story. So we have the overview of the creation week. 1-1 to 2-3. But now when we have the account of the heavens and the earth, starting in 2.4, we zero in on the creation of man. This is not like another story. This is like blowing up the story of the creation of man that you found in, the, in chapter 1. Some people will struggle with this and it's like, well, there's two rival creation accounts. No, no, no. We missed the whole structure of Genesis. Genesis is going to do this over and over again. Overview and then zero in on the part that's relevant for the story that Moses is trying to tell in Genesis. So, starting with 2.4, we're getting a lot of amplification of passages like 127. So would somebody read 4 through 7? These are the
0: generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day of the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and the mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and
1: the man became a living creature. Now, again, some of you will like this, and some of you won't. I think this is correct, even if it seems a little stretched. I believe there is an inclusio right here. An inclusio is like something that closes something together. In 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then in 2-4, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. I think that's sort of closing that. The creation, heavens, earth are repeated here that he says in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. So we end to 4 with created earth, heaven. Um, and we started with created heavens and earth. So I think verse 4 kind of closes that and then we transition now uh, to what's going on. Notice also, this is the account of the heavens and the earth. Um, What typically follows in these statements, this is the account, or this is the book, or this is the, the generation, is to see what that thing generated, what came from the heavens and the earth then. For example, if you look over at 5.1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. It's the people Adam generated. It's the descendants of Adam. Adam. If you look at 6.9, these are the records of the generations of Noah. It's Noah's descendants, ultimately. So, I think these are the things that the heaven and earth generated. Now, this is before the weeds came up. This is before man had to serve the ground. Um, it's it's before the fall that the Lord God, in verse 7, formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, God did two things. He made the man like he made the body from the dust. But what did he have to do for man to be alive? yes he had to breathe life into him so it was kind of a two step process now what did he make man from (laughs) yes the word for man in hebrew is essentially adam you know that and the word for ground in hebrew is Adama, just with an a on the end of it there's a correlation the adam was made from the Adama. the man was made from the ground Where's man going to go to? <clears throat> the ground. So, because of sin, man's origin becomes his destiny. He ends up where he started from. Comments and questions through seven. Okay. The um, the environment God put man in, eight to fourteen. Um.
7: The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Fishon, it flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. The Delium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates.
1: Okay. Where did God put man? A garden in a garden. Where did he put the garden? Yes. In the east, in Eden. We say the garden of Eden. I don't think Eden was equal to the garden. I think the garden was placed in the territory of Eden. That's why it's the garden of Eden. That is from Eden or belonging to Eden. Um, That's where he put that. Now, what else did he have in that garden? Two trees. Two special trees, but... Every tree. uh, Yeah, lots and lots of trees. God gave man abundant provision. God was generous with man and not stingy. He had all kinds of trees to eat Which is interesting when it comes to the temptation. How many trees will God prohibit? How many trees does he let him eat from? All kinds of them. So why did man feel like he needed to eat from that one forbidden fruit? Yeah, isn't that interesting? It wasn't a lack of provision. He had all kinds of trees, got it very generously taken care of him. What does man always seem to want? Forbidden You want to do what you can't do. There's such a a feeling of that. You know, Just the what happens when you tell a child they can't play with something? What's the next thing they do? They weren't even paying attention to it until you told them they couldn't play with it. Suddenly, that's the best toy there. We're a lot like that. God says, don't eat that one. Here's all these others. Which one do they want? That one. We're sometimes like that. What else did God place in the garden?
7: The
1: tree of life. All right, rivers. Yeah, the tree of life as well. We'll we'll come and talk about those trees a little bit more. But uh, placed rivers and precious stones. It's a great place to live. You know, God gave everything that they needed. It's uh, it's a great uh, environment for man. God was generous. God was not trying to be difficult in this. He was he was very good to man. Comments and questions to verse fourteen.
5: It says that um, he made it grow, and earlier it has said how it hadn't grown yet. No shrub had grown up. So I could just imagine all over the world, little things starting to grow up, and right there, all it like, whoomp! There's a garden, fully grown.
1: Maybe so. Five and six are super difficult. I think five may be saying this is before the weeds and the thorns and the thistles. This is before man fell. But there's a debate about that, for sure. Jacob?
7: I don't know if there's anything to it, but I think it's interesting that in 1-1 to 2-3, he's speaking everything into existence, and here it's saying God planted it. He's not speaking it into existence anymore. He's actually doing it.
1: Mm -hmm. Different perspective.
3: I couldn't help but notice, you know, when you had mentioned... Lord God is now, you know, it puts the Lord in front of God in verse 4. But before that, all it says is God, and the Hebrew word for that was Elohim, which means just power, authority. And, you know, of course, in chapter 1, he didn't have anybody to have a relationship with. Yes. But now in chapter 2, I notice uh, from 2 4 on, every time God's mentioned, it says Lord God before it. It is interesting to see the progression of how he's
1: revealing himself. Because Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah is more the covenant God, more the God who has a relationship with his people. I think that's exactly right. In the creation account itself, it's just the deity that does that. But when he's focusing on creating man, you see a more personal nature to God. Good point, right? Um, I, I think you're referring to verse 8 a little
5: bit ago.
4: I was getting kind of confused there, kind of pinnacle on that. What, what were you trying to say about how
1: people say Garden of Eden. Well, I'm just, yeah, it's a Garden of Eden because the garden was in Eden. It's not like the garden was Eden. Eden was a place and the garden was oh, okay. put in Eden. Okay, you're just saying that there's more to Eden. Right. Just, okay, right okay, okay, exactly. Right. Yeah, not a big deal, but I think that's what it's said. Okay. That's funny okay. with
5: what he said. Was it named Eden already or was it named Eden later
1: on? I'm assuming already. Who knows?
7: In verse 9, it talks about um, every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. And then it, it tacks on the tree of life was also there and the tree of knowledge of good. <coughs> and I know that, that later on Eve looks at it at the the tree and says, This is good for food and this is good. But I mean, were they intended to be eaten prior to that? If that makes sense.
1: No, because God prohibited them. You know, from the time God made them, Right. made that tree. We made the point before you came in. God's the one who ought to see what's good. It's not man's job to evaluate what's good.
7: Because I mean, it was just like, you know, there's this is every tree. It's right there. These are the ones that are good, pretty, and good to eat. And then there are these other two. And we're not. There, there seems to be a, a separation between. There's two
4: types.
7: Mm
4: -hmm. (coughs) Yes. All right, very good. Maybe you just put the trees there just so they can be tested. um, I
1: think so, and we'll talk about that a little bit more next time. Okay. Yeah. uh, You fine? We're we're almost done, so. Any other comments or questions on that? (coughs) We'll talk more about the (coughs) trees. We'll start in 2.15. So... We'll we'll work on two fifteen and as far as I know I'm here the rest of all of September and October. So that's what I think. Thanks for your comments, Brent. We'll get to talk uh, talking
7: about
6: that.